very good morning to everyone this morning and a warm welcome from me as well as from everybody else. Uh, we continue our series this morning on name above all names. And we're going to be looking uh, today at the fact that God is peace. Now, we've been looking at a, a series, and this is the seventh part in that series, of looking at the various names of God. And uh, what we've seen is that actually in the Bible, God reveals his character, his attributes through his names. And God has revealed himself in the whole of creation, but also God has revealed himself in his names. And it's important to understand the different attributes of the character of God so that we can know him uh, truly. Now, we can never know God completely because of his eternity, but we can know him truly, and God's names help us with this. And we don't want to overemphasize one part of God's character over another because God is a completeness and a unity. And we know that God is love, but if we think about that too much, we'll miss the fact that God is also a judge. Uh, we know that God is holy and is a consuming fire, but if we overemphasize that, we'll miss that God is also intimate and uh, tender and imminent. And uh, how about the immutability or the unchanging nature of God? Something that doesn't always get talked about, but knowing that God can never act out of character. So these are all wonderful truths that allow us to build our confidence and know who it is that we worship. Now, we know that God's name is not God, and we've been learning in this series that God's proper name as revealed in the Bible is Yahweh, uh, this idea of I am, or I am who I am, or I will be who I will be, this idea that God is self-existent, that has no need uh, of anyone else or anything else, and that before all things were, God is. There was never a time that God did not exist. Now, we've seen so far that there's a number of words that in the Bible are added to this word Yahweh, and we've looked at some already, that God is a provider, that God is our healer, uh, that God is a banner. And last week, Ben talked about the Lord that sanctifies, and today we'll be thinking about peace, Yahweh Shalom, God the Lord is peace. Now, our text today, our main text, is going to be uh, from Judges chapter 6, and in a moment the, the text will come up. But let me just give a word of context about what we're going to read first of all. So we're looking here uh, at the life of Gideon, and uh, Gideon was somebody who lived uh, at the time where Israel was overrun by the Midianites. And it seems that Israel was always overrun by some kind of ites, but it was the Midianites in this case. And uh, Gideon was in a situation where uh, Israel had turned away from God, as they often did, and uh, they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And God had sent the Midianites as a type of judgment on them. And it says in the Bible that the Midianites were like locusts on the land of Israel. Now, practically what that would mean is as soon as Israel grew any crops, the Midianites would descend in raiding parties and they would strip the land of everything that they had. And so the Midianites were uh, overrunning the people of God. It was a very difficult time for the people of Israel. But they called out to God. Now, this was a pattern of the people of Israel, that they turned away from God, and then things went wrong, and then they called out on God. But God always comes to the rescue. And actually, that's a great insight for us this morning, even as we begin, that even if you have turned away from God, if you call on the name of the Lord, God will come to save. And God is going to use Gideon as the person to save the people of Israel in this instance. So let's have a look at the text. We pick it up in uh, chapter 6 and verse 11. You'll see it come up on the screen, and we'll just read through. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at the <coughs> Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, 
while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned and said to him, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour and meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought it to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abrazites. Now, what a text. Imagine being Gideon hiding uh, for fear of the Midianites and trying to sort of, you know, thresh some uh, wheat to actually have something to eat in hiding. And the angel of the Lord coming to him and telling them that he is going to be uh, the way in which Israel are going to be saved, that he's going to be the transformative tool in God's hands. Now, actually, this is a theophany. You've heard me talk about these before, a Christophany, a pre-incarnate manifestation of the second person of the Trinity. This is Jesus appearing before he took on flesh. And very often, God comes to speak in the Old Testament at moments such as these to his people um, as a theophany. And so we find uh, Gideon hiding, he's fearful, and he is doubting as well. He is doubting that God is going to bring salvation to the people of Israel. And it's into this context that God reveals himself as the God of peace. The Lord is peace, is uh, what Gideon calls the place. Now, peace is a, a commonly used term in the Bible. In fact, mentioned 429 times in the scriptures. Uh, peace was a greeting that Jesus used himself. And in fact, it's still a, a term that is used today in the Jewish world. Uh, we had our holiday lets uh, last year. Uh, a, a large group of Orthodox Jews come to stay with us, around 30 Orthodox Jews. It was fascinating to see them live out the Old Testament in front of our eyes. And uh, they would greet you with shalom. Uh, this term for peace and wholeness and completeness. And uh, the only other greeting they use is good shabbish. 
uh, because everything builds up towards the Sabbath and everything builds down from it. And so they wish you a good Shabbath. But uh, apart from that, shalom is the greeting. And uh, we see here from the text that it's not just that God is the God of peace, but actually the text says God is peace. Now, God is a completeness in himself. God is a trinity. Well, we heard Fliss sing, one plus one plus one equals one. The strange maths of the trinity, that God eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, and that each person is God, and there is one God. And this incredible paradox that God is three distinct persons, all of whom have always existed as God, and yet God is also a singularity. But the idea is God is a community, and God is in perfect relationship with himself. God is at peace. Now, the only reason that we as people can manifest some of the things the Bible asks us to do is because God is those things. The only reason that we can love is because God is love. The only reason that we can forgive is because God forgives. The only reason we speak is because God speaks. And it's possible to be peaceful because God is himself peace. Now, it's also true to say that peace is not just a biblical term. Here is the dictionary definition of peace. Freedom from disturbance, tranquility, a state or period in which there is no war or war has ended. In fact, peace is something that can be measured. Uh, peace is something that can be quantified. And uh, actually, there is a global peace index, which the Institute for um, Economics and Peace uh, construct each year. And uh, I'll just share with you some of the information from that. Uh, they, um, they work in this every year. This is the 14th year uh, that they have surveyed world peace. 163 countries, which apparently covers 99.7% of the global population. And there are statistics on how peaceful uh, the world is, looking at measures such as domestic and international conflict, societal and safety security, militarization. These are some of the things that they measure. And so here are some of the highlights, or I really should say here are some of the lowlights on world peace. So um, you'll see the slide come up. So um, for the, the um, ninth year in a row, world peace has deteriorated slightly. So a 3.4% deterioration in peace, very precise. In fact, over the last decade, world peace has declined 2.5%. Uh, now, as Christians, that should not surprise us. Because uh, Jesus himself said that before he returns, there will be wars and rumors of wars. And it is not until the Lord reigns in Zion that we will beat our uh, spears into pruning hooks and uh, into plowshares. Uh, or swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, I should say more precisely. But peace is something that will only finally be attained when Jesus returns. And it will not surprise you from those stats to know the world is not an entirely peaceful place. Now, we are fortunate that we live in a peaceful land. Um, and Europe is actually the most peaceful continent in the world. Um, but I wonder if you might think, you know, what is the most peaceful country in the world? Because they rate these things. You might be interested in this, but uh, maybe you can guess at home in your own mind. I mean, where might peace reign greatest, let's say, at least as defined uh, by the IEP? Well, so let me reveal. You'll see a slide coming up. So 
The most peaceful country uh, second year in a row is indeed Iceland, uh, followed by New Zealand. And as you can see, this is the, the top 10 of peace, if you like. Now, similarly, maybe you can guess more sadly where peace may be worst or where the world is less peaceful. And I'll put that slide um, up too. And the least peaceful nation in the world currently is Afghanistan um, and Syria just behind it. Now, actually, over the last uh, years, last 12 years, um, the increase of certain nations' peacefulness uh, and certain nations becoming uh, less peaceful has pretty much balanced it out. In fact, 81 countries became less peaceful, 79 countries became more peaceful, overall peace declined 2.5%. Well, it makes for bleak reading. Uh, if you think about the state of the world. And actually, you know, we are blessed where we live that we do not see conflict on a day-to-day basis, day basis, at least not in the sort of war-type level, although you may be aware of conflict in some parts um, of your life. But uh, we are not fully at peace. So what's the choice? I mean, should we all move to Iceland and New Zealand and uh, seek out the peaceful life there? Is that the answer? Well, that's certainly not um, the biblical answer. But peace is not just the um, absence of conflict. For the Christian, peace is something deeper than that. And to be fair, the IEP do measure this too, because they measure positive peace, which means that the structures and institutions of countries are are moving forward. And uh, you'll see a slide come up that uh, is the definition, if you like, the IEP's definition of how one is to achieve peace. They seem to think it's through well-functioning governments and equitable distribution of resources and free flow of information and uh, sound business environment and so forth. Now, these are, are all good things, and uh, we wouldn't deny that we would want to see all of those things, but uh, there is one glaring omission that you will have noticed from the IEP's work there, and that is God. The answer to peace is not just to be found in the societal structures uh, or thriving economies, good as these things are, and uh, these things are helpful in forwarding peace, but that is not what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about peace. And the Bible says the source of peace is God himself. Now, we wouldn't want to be glib about it, particularly not for people who are suffering in uh, terrible situations in tough countries around the world. They would long for more equity and less corruption and less war. And those are things we should pray for, for those nations. However, the deepest sense of peace can only come through our relationship with God himself. Now, the idea of biblical peace is well summed up in this term shalom that I mentioned. And Yahweh shalom is the name that we are, we're focusing on here. Now, what does shalom mean? Well, it doesn't just mean the absence of conflict. Um, and it actually means even more than just being uh, at peace with others. It means being at peace with God. It means soundness of health. It means wholeness, completeness, harmony. It's a very rich word, this uh, Hebrew word shalom. And the idea of peace is something that is not just biblically to do with outward circumstances, but is an inner condition, something deeper than what is going on around us, but what is going on within us and in our relationship with our creator. Peace ultimately should be a deep down reassurance that all is ultimately well, that God is ultimately in control. It's not a, a sort of zen, tranquil state that we're trying to achieve. It's a trusting in the sovereignty of God the creator and that he will make all things well. And that is where true 
peace comes from, a deep, solid foundation built um, on the immutability of God. Now, how do we find peace? And uh, so I'm going to have a go at saying there's a, a few simple things that the Bible tells us that we can do to be at peace with God and to be in a state of peace. And so we're going to have a look at a famous few verses from Philippians chapter 4. And they're going to come up on the screen and I'll, I'll read them through. Paul says here, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So the text is clear here on three particular things the Christian needs to focus on to enjoy peace and to know that deep security and sense of as the, the weathering storms of life hit us that we can stand secure and peaceful uh, in our life. So I think there's three things from the text that I'd like to draw on. You may have even noticed them come up in bold that uh, Paul says we should pray thankful prayers, we should think worthy thoughts, and we should do worthy deeds. And these, if you like, are the three things that that text in Philippians says that we are to focus on as a Christian that will allow peace that passes understanding to flood our hearts. So how does this work? Well, first of all, pray thankful thoughts. You know, sometimes... The, the pressures of life can make it difficult to be happy. But the Bible doesn't really focus on happiness. Now, that doesn't mean that happiness is not a great thing. And if we, if we have it for a period, we should enjoy it and uh, maximize it. But instead, the Bible focuses on deeper things like joy and peace and things that are not dictated so much by circumstances. Now, Paul says here that we should not be anxious, but instead we should pray. And so even if life is difficult, anxiety is not the answer. Now, the opposite of sadness is joy, but the opposite of anxiety is peace. And Paul says, don't be anxious, pray. In fact, don't just pray, pray thankfully. Now, this seems a little back to front because you would think it should say, well, pray, and if God answers your prayers, you can thank him. But he says, no, 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 you pray and you thank at the same time. Actually, we take our worries and concerns and anxieties to God, we give them to him, and we thank him that he will act. Now, sometimes God will answer our prayers with a yes, sometimes God will answer our prayers with a no, sometimes God will answer our prayers with a wait. Timing can be relevant, but God will always answer. And actually, the answer is not necessarily always what we expect or hope, but we can trust that God answers every prayer and that God is working things together for his purposes. So we bring our anxieties to God and we thank him that he is going to act. And Paul says that brings peace. 
That brings peace. Romans 8.28 has it this way, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Even the bad things in life can be woven together for God's glory and for our good. Now, we might not always see that and understand that at first, but we can trust from the word of God that that is what God is doing. So don't be anxious. Pray instead and thank God that he will act and peace that transcends understanding will flood your heart and guard you, it says. Now, the second thing that Paul says here is we should think worthy thoughts. That actually what's going on inside our minds is critically important. Do you know that what you think about all day long, you become? And we should take very careful control over our thought life. Everything begins with thoughts. And the things that we meditate on and ponder on and consider in our mind, those things have a way of working themselves out in our life. And the Christian is to think worthy thoughts. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says this, He will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. So what it means is through the day, uh, when we rise, as we're going about our business, as we get ready to go to bed, our minds and our thoughts should be turning to the Lord. One way of finding peace is to think about God often. Now, I don't know whether COVID-19 has increased your sense of worry. And I don't know whether you've been, you know, very badly affected by either personally or through your relatives. You know, the numbers um, are stark enough to say that many listening today will have been affected. And that is real. But we cannot let external circumstances rob us of that joy that God wants us to have a deeper level. And worry doesn't seem to be the recipe. Maybe we're concerned about what will happen next. And Jesus says that we should not worry. Actually, that worrying, in a sense, is not part of the solution, it's part of the problem. Now, I understand it's difficult, but the Bible is clear that actually our minds should not go to those things, but they should go to the things of God. Now, I think for me personally, that the best thing here to do is to think about God's promises. If we want to think rightly and think worthy thoughts, actually our minds should go to the Bible and flood our minds with the truth. So that's the only place where we're really going to get comfort and reassurance. We know that God has forgiven us. We know that God has declared us righteous. We know that God has adopted us into his family, that he's imputed his righteousness to us. If we are believers, those are the things we want to think about. Those are the things that will give us peace. Romans 5.1 says it this way, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. True peace is reconciliation with God. That is true peace. That when we were in our sin, we were separated from God. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross, he's given us the chance to be reconciled again with God, to have peace with God through what he did on the cross. And that is true peace, reconciliation with God. No fear of judgment, no fear of uh, our previous sins as God has washed them away. We can stand before him not guilty. That term justified sort of means just as if 
I never sinned. And there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if that doesn't fill us with peace, I don't know what would. To know that eternally we are right with God if we are a Christian. To know that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we will spend eternity with God. In the midst of the challenges of this life, these are the things that should give us an anchor for the soul to know that all is well. Now, what you feed your mind on is important, but the third thing it says is what we do also matters. So we should do worthy deeds. So the Christian life is one of not being anxious but praying, not focusing on the wrong things, but thinking about the right things that are good and true and things of uh, God's word, but also that we should be people who act. Now, it might be difficult at the moment because of lockdown to think you could do many deeds. And there, there's some truth in that, that actually we are slightly impaired in our ability to, to move around and so forth. However, how about this? You know, as you're speaking to friends and families or on Zoom, on the telephone, whatever it might be this week, how about aiming in your deeds to show them that you are calm and still, that you are not buffeted by the challenges in the world, to shine something of God's peace in how you are? Now, I don't mean being overly righteous and stuff and being unsympathetic to people who are worried, but just letting your sort of inner calm and solidity because that you know all is well with the universe because of who God is, just let that pervade through. We can communicate something of our peace in who we are and how we act and what we do. And the promise is that peace will be with us. Well, it's time to conclude. And so I think in conclusion, what I want to say is that biblical peace is deeper than the peace the world talks about. Jesus himself said that uh, he came to give us a peace, not that the world gives, a different kind of peace. It's deeper than the structures of society. It's deeper than the absence of conflict. It's in knowing and being in right relationship and reconciled to Father God, who is himself peace. So we mustn't be anxious. We must turn to God with our concerns in prayer, being thankful, knowing that he will act. We mustn't dwell on the wrong things. Very practically this week, will you endlessly watch the news and TV programs talking about COVID or will you turn to God's word? Now, look, I'm not suggesting we hide away from the world, but, uh, you know, once you've heard the headlines, you know the big picture. Maybe very practically this week, any time you feel anxious, immediately turn that thought into prayer and thanks. Maybe every day this week, grab even one verse from the Bible to think about and meditate on each day. And every time your thoughts turn the wrong direction, turn them back to that verse. The promise is that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. We can know peace, not through our own effort. We can know peace because we can know God who is peace. This week, rest in him. Amen.